Amen. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and GR would love to pass one out to you. We are in the book of Joshua this morning. If you want to turn there in the Old Testament, as you get a Bible, or if you already have one, Joshua chapter 6. So this summer, I wasn't here last week, but my friend Doug Sprint was, and he didn't say follow along, but I'm doing a series on, and it might be a funny title, but a study into Sunday school stories from the Old Testament. So my desire is to just take some of the stories that maybe we've heard in Sunday school, take them apart a little more, and see what application we can take and learn and apply to our lives. So two weeks ago, we did the story of Joseph, and I covered quite a bit of territory and just took a few little bits that we could apply, and hopefully that was an encouragement to you. Now, as I read this story, I'm going to cover a lot of territory again, but I want to encourage you, as you read and see and look into the past of the characters, God might speak to you in a way that I'm not speaking, but his word is always speaking. Amen? So we know that truth. So I've always loved the story of Joshua and Jericho, and I just had that picture in Sunday school, you know, how you color different things, and you teach the kids of the power of God, and just the craziness of how he took Israel and walked around those walls for six days, no shouting, no talking, the trumpets playing, and on the seventh day, they walked around seven times, and on the last moment of the last walk around those big walls of Jericho, one long blast of the trumpet, and the walls fell flat. Now, obviously, we probably all know that story, right? And uh, we've enjoyed that, and maybe some of you have even watched Veggie Tales and seen the slushies being thrown on and uh, how they played their trumpets, probably in a way that they wouldn't have in the Old Testament. It's interesting how we get our biblical information these days from Veggie Tales. But anyways, it is a tremendous story, and I'm going to read parts of it from Joshua chapter 6 and then delve into a little bit more into what God would speak to us this morning. So it says in verse 6, chapter 1, the book of Joshua, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout, with a great shout. Then the walls of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before them. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets, ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord. 
And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. The ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua... Verse 10, had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So we had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord Then seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. The armed men went before them and the rear guard after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, so they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times, and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Now the city shall be doomed before the Lord to destruction, and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live, and she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed, and take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and troubled it. But all the silver and gold, vessels of bronze and iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men, women, young, old, ox, and sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. And I'll skip down to verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country familiar story, isn't it? Maybe there's a few details. I find when we watch Veggie Tales or other productions, sometimes they might not be completely accurate with the scripture. There's a few things reading it again. I didn't know that they continually blew their horns, but it was one long blow at the end. I always thought it was completely silent, but no, they were playing some sort of kind of music or song or blast, and then it all came together on the seventh day, but I've enjoyed this scripture so much, and at times in my life almost felt like I was Joshua. I can remember moving here many years ago, and the only ministry I had was at Perthen District High School, and in my zeal and eagerness as a young, what I would call kind of missionary, it was new to me, a new territory, and knowing I was going in there each week, I remember one night with Amy and some other friends of ours saying, I'm going to walk around Perth and District High School seven times. The only problem is we didn't have horns and I didn't shout. And the other probably bigger problem was it must have been minus 30 that night. 
And afterwards, I kind of felt that was a big mistake because I was freezing. I don't know if it helped or not. I felt like I was kind of applying scripture and having faith, believing that God was going to take down some walls and see God work in that Bible study. And there were many, many years, and even this year, even though the number was smaller, enjoying fellowship and just even over the years seeing even fruit of that ministry and thinking, I think I even met Leah there the first time many years ago at Person District High School doing that Bible study. There was other times I can remember by myself during the week here at Farrell Hall just asking, wanting, so desiring God to move that I'd walk around this place seven times and every time kind of waving at the neighbor going by on the porch over there who probably thought I was a little weird, which is the truth, I'm sure. Now, he really would have thought I was weird if I shouted the seventh time, but I don't think I had the nerves to do that. I do feel that God has been present, and I'm not Joshua, but I think there's something as we obey God in faith that he blesses. Amen? And the more I thought of this story, the more I kind of thought of this simple phrase, and I'll say it a few times in the next 15, 20 minutes, is Joshua had amazing faith to simply obey. He didn't need a great military campaign. He didn't necessarily need a great uh, written report on how he was going to conquer Jericho. He didn't need tanks. He didn't need them climbing the wall. He didn't need what we would say human intellect needed. What Joshua needed was simple faith that allowed him to simply obey what God asked him to do. In reality, as we look back, if we were in that situation, we probably would say these are some radical instructions. You are fighting men of war, and you're going to march around and simply shout they might have thought maybe they're going to use those horns to blow in the enemy's ear. <laughs> that wasn't the case. I think with God, we have to realize that God does the work and he just simply wants our obedience. And I think sometimes we get confused that we do the work. And we think it's what we do or what we can do or it's in our effort. But I want to encourage you this morning that God is looking for those who will simply have faith to do simply what he says. Nothing more and nothing less. So often our identity isn't tied into what we do. So we think if we do, that we are the conquerors. So we feel better about ourselves, but the reality is that gets us nowhere because one week we might do great and the next week we might not. Truly, can I tell you this morning, it is all about Christ. And it's about you in your faith, simply, again, obeying what he asks you to do. Joshua, what amazing character, and I just want to delve in the next 10 minutes into him. I asked Gabriel this week, as it seems I'm driving him here or there, what came to your mind if I asked you about the biblical character Joshua? So I would say the same to you. Maybe some of you are new or not to the Word of God in the Old Testament. Some of you have heard in Sunday school, but what would you think if I said, what would you think of Joshua? Who was Joshua? What was Maybe you're thinking him walk around the walls, but Gabriel's first word was this. That guy must have been a crazy, strong fighter. That guy is not a wimpy dude. Joshua, every time we see him, basically, is fighting. And 
destroying enemies. All through the book of Joshua, we see him winning amazing battles, not living in fear. And when we're introduced to him in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16, we see Moses is up on the mountain praying, and who did he send to go fight? I'll send my assistant, Joshua. You go fight the Amalekites, and I'll go up and pray. I really like that. <laughs> I have a couple interns coming this summer. Josh is rejoining me after school to help us with some social media, the website, and my son Caleb's coming on. I'm, I just, I'll go pray, boys. You go get them in town, okay? You guys are young and strong. Caleb, I think you work out, you go to it. But can you imagine Joshua? I just wanted to remind you of this, this great character because introduced to him as Moses' assistant, probably coming from Egypt, was one who would fight in the Amalekites attacking them as they crossed over the Red Sea into the desert for a while, and here they're attacked. And you know the story there, and I'll remind you another Sunday school lesson, but Moses on the hill, he has Aaron and her, his spiritual advisors with him, and he's holding up his arms, and when he's praying, Joshua wins the battle, right? When his hands drop, all of a sudden the enemy comes against him, is more victorious. And then all of a sudden, you could just see coming, okay, you sit down, Moses, and here's Aaron grabbing one arm, standing, here's her on the other heart, arm, and he's holding it up, and they win the battle. But I just was thinking, they're up on the hill, and Joshua's fighting this great fighter, and things are going against him, and thinking, what's going on? And, he, and he, just imagine him looking up and saying, oh no, his arms are falling. Come on, Aaron, come on, her, pick him up. And then maybe he sees the power of prayer. Afterwards, even if my assumptions are incorrect, the truth is real because he probably talked to Moses and Moses had a story to tell. You know, assistant, I've been an assistant pastor in New Jersey. I spent a lot of time in the pastor's office <laughs> and I listened. That's one of the jobs of an assistant. you got to listen, right? And hear what God does, or hear the trouble. So here, you just see, and just picture Joshua with Moses, and, and they're recounting the events, and what happened at this time? And you were fighting, and what was going on? Even if Joshua didn't see, and what was going on? Moses said, oh, I was praying, and, and they put it together, and they're both probably thinking, and Joshua, this young man, was seeing the power of prayer and God's victory that can come through it. Don't think that's a reality. We read these Bible stories and we're like, oh yeah, a cool story, neat. Even reading these seven times around the wall, what gave Joshua this incredible faith to simply obey and do something radical that was totally against anything that his intellect would say? He had to know what God said and what God would do was real from his experiences of the past knowing what God has done. So he could go, oh, God's telling me to do this. Oh, I remember when. I remember when God was victorious with us. The power of prayer only can bring us experiences of God's victory, which can only make your faith grow. The Old Testament, again and again and again, even Joseph, lessons learned in private make for public success. We, you, I, need to be with the Lord, drawing our strength, seeing his 
conquering ability in our lives, and then when we face the enemy, we can be victorious. You might think we're not in a battle, no one's persecuting us, but I want to make it very clear to you this morning, you are in an incredible battle. I think Satan has done a great job of dulling us down to the point of thinking that there's not a spiritual battle. We just live our lives, right? We go to work, we eat our food, we cut our lawns, we try and keep up with our kids, we figure out our careers, we, that's life, right? I'm just living life. Would you understand that there is so much more going on? Maybe you don't see but our eyes need to be open to the truth that the enemy is real and he hates you and he wants to destroy you. And that's the facts of the word of God. And if Satan can blind you to that truth, he will make you ineffective in the spiritual realm. But the truth is there is a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6 makes it clear we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And so as Joshua's heading into this battle in this enemy, understand every day you're heading into a battle, and it can be the battle of your mind and your heart over sin, over the lies you're believing, but it is true. And God, as I mentioned, as we read Scripture earlier, wants us to know we can be victorious in simple faith and simple obedience. You do not need to read another book. Not that they're not helpful. But we need to simply believe what God has said, as Joshua did. This man, introduced to us as a fighter in Exodus 17, was also described as Moses' assistant, as I've mentioned. But also, when he dies... In Judges chapter 2, it simply says this, that he was a servant of the Lord. Wouldn't you like to be called that? Like, in your funeral, Dan was just simply a servant of the Lord. Yeah, he's got a pretty good resume, Joshua, right? That guy did a lot of crazy things. Even in his time, the sun stopped, defeated giants. We know all of these things. And I don't know if you do know this, but Joshua was probably at least the second time, but it says in Exodus 24, 13, that when Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, they went up on the mountain of God. You know, they, oh, Moses went up for 40 days and 40 nights. You know who is on his tail carrying all the supplies? Now think about that. Just imagine what Joshua saw. The power. The Ten Commandments. God working, coming down from the mountain. Here's little Joshua. It says he's a young man. And it even says in one part in Exodus 33 that Joshua, the son of Nun, did not depart from the tabernacle. Moses went in and out from the tabernacle of meeting. Okay, I'm going. Joshua, it's your turn. Stay in there. Stay in the presence of the Lord. This man from a young age saw amazing things, was in the presence of God, literally, saw God win miraculous battles, his faith was developing, God was creating him to be a leader, 
And then there came a test in Numbers 13. They got to the promised land. You remember that story with Joshua? We'll send in 12 spies. If you don't remember, I'll teach it to you. Okay, here's the new land. We've got the edge. We're going to conquer this land. Let's go spy out the land. 12 people go in the land. They see huge grapes, but the problem is the enemy's massive. They come back out of that land. Ten of those spies are like, there is no way we can defeat that enemy. Okay, you're in a battle. You ever said that? That mountain's too big. No, not that we would ever say that, right? You ever felt like that? Oh, we do in regular life, by the way. Because remember, there's a spiritual battle, your circumstance. You've never felt that in life. This mountain's too big. The enemy's too grand. That's what the ten said. And they came out, and Moses listening, and the congregation listening. And there goes Caleb, and he goes on a rant. We're going to get him. Caleb, another fighter. And then Joshua speaks. He says this, the Lord, he's the one who goes before us. He will be with us. So true. It's interesting as you read in Numbers, and I'll give you that for homework because we don't have time for the sake of time. But Joshua also says, if the Lord delights in us, he will give us the land. It doesn't matter how big the enemy is. With God's help, we can conquer. Look at his life. He's prayed. He's seen God win. He's been in the presence of God, faced with a challenge, mountains and difficulties. He, small percentage of people, says, we can do it. We know their ideas are shot down. The people disobey. They go back into the wilderness for 40 years. But I love that thought. Can I tell you this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that God delights in you? And some of us don't believe that. I'm too bad. You don't know what I've done. That's what we say to ourselves. God can't delight in me. He might delight in so-and-so TV preacher. He might delight in that spiritual person I'm elevating. No, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God delights in you. Because he loves you. And half the battle against the enemy is like, oh, God can't delight me. He can't love me. He can't desire me. That's not the scripture. He loves you. As you trust and believe in him, you're realizing that love. And as you know he delights in you, there is nothing you can't conquer that the enemy puts in front of you. I just got to go back because I don't... Do you guys get that? <laughs> Hello! In my life, and the people I'm talking to, I think we all should be tired of living defeated lives. Thinking things can't change. Thinking we can't defeat sin. Thinking we can't live different. Thinking that God can't work through us. Thinking that God can't do the miraculous. That is not biblical teaching. Biblical teaching is, as we read this morning, because of Christ living in us, that God delights in us as we receive his forgiveness. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And it starts here with knowing the truth for you to win the battle. Joshua what a man of God. What a fighter. 
But yet he still had doubt after, after seeing God. You might know the story at the end of Deuteronomy, Joshua chapter 1, as Moses is dying, he can't go into the land. Moses even gives him a speech. He says, be strong and courageous. The Lord God is with you. He's not going to forsake you, right? And then in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it's very clear. Joshua even hears from God, be strong and courageous. Why are they reminding him of this fact? Oh, he's a great fighter. He has great faith. Yet Joshua still has doubt. Join the party. <laughs> you ever been there? Come on, folks, let's be a little honest. You ever been there? I've seen God move in my life, but whoo, this mountain's too big. Joshua's seen amazing things, seeing what God does. At the book, he knows what's ahead. He has to get into Canaan. He knows Jericho lies ahead. He knows how big the walls are. By the way, it says mighty men of valor. That's who he fought against. He knows there's big problems, and he's seen God work, and yet he still doubts a little bit, and God speaks specifically to him, you be strong and courageous, because I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in Joshua 1, I encourage you to do that for homework too, is do not depart, this is a PS by the way, from the truth of God's law, his word. And Moses, even when he's dying, said, read it to the people every seven years, remind them of the truth, remind them of what I've done, remind them of my desire for them. And Joshua is faithful to do that three times in the book of Joshua. Men, women, by the way, bring Sunday school up because they had to listen to the whole five first books read. And be quiet and listen. Because I want to remind you that Moses said to Joshua, remind them, Joshua, to the people, I want to remind you who God is, what God has done, how powerful God is. So why do you think we ask you to read your Bibles? So you can get a little sticker at the end of the day and feel good about yourself? I don't care if you have a sticker. I care that you remember the truth of who God is and that he loves you and that you are more than a conqueror and he has expectations and if you fulfill them, you can grow in him. And I'm tired of hearing, I don't like reading. Great, either do I. Get the audio version. I don't care if it's a chapter or 10, at least a verse reminding you of the truth in your life of what God has done, who he is and what he wants to do. If great men like Joshua had fear and doubt and need to be reminded that they were supposed to be strong and courageous in Christ, so do we. Because as he doubted after seeing all God had done, we will doubt as well. Okay, right before Jericho, we're going to cross the Jordan. Okay, it splits just like the Red Sea. I don't know if you know that. It was springtime. It was flowing. It had to split. They walked through. What did God say to Joshua? Take what? 12 stones, memorial stones out of here. Put them on the bank that you would remember what God has done. Because sometimes it feels like God isn't around. You ever been there? Hey, where are you, God? And God says, I'm right here with you. I promise never to leave you or forsake you. And you don't remember? Look at the stones. Hey, folks, look at the stones. Listen to me, look at the stones. That God's provision, his care, his love, in the midst of your circumstance, that he is with you. Look at the stones. Don't leave it on your shelf. Keep a journal of what God's done. 
Because when it looks like he's not around, you need to remind yourself that he is. Then you don't know and you're doubting. God, are you real? He says, be strong and courageous. And then God says something crazy to you. Do this. Yeah, don't walk around attacking the wall. Just walk around. Just walk around. Could you imagine? And when you're done the first time, go lodge. Man. That was a wild, crazy faith. But if you know God, and you know his word, and you know what he said, and you're praying, and you're experiencing him, and you've been in his presence, you can just simply obey him. I want to kind of say this. Oftentimes when we think of faith and Joshua walking around the walls, we think of radical things. But I want to tone it down this morning a bit. Remember when I taught Bible to high school, and they had one testimonial. I mentioned this before. There was a chapel. I was in New Jersey. And they're like, I'll go anywhere in the world for you. I'll go to Africa. Praise the Lord. I'll go to Asia. Praise the Lord. And then I got up and said, are you willing to obey your teachers in your next class? Forget about Africa or Asia. Forget about moving. How about obeying and being what God wants you to be today and allow him to breathe bring those things, but you be obedient in the simple things, because sometimes as people, we read these missionary stories, and we're thinking about being this and that over there in this big thing, and we're failing to obey in the simple things every day. Can I do the dishes when I'm asked? Forget about preaching a great sermon in a big church. Oh, I can't do the dishes. I'm too bogged up with thinking where I'll be in Africa. <laughs> when the dishes pile up, my kids aren't happy and my wife's not happy because I'm probably yelling at them to do the dishes. <laughs> the point being, simple faith leads us to do simple obedience. And the big things will come. Don't worry about evangelizing other countries. What about evangelizing your neighbor? Not living in fear at home. Doing what he's asked us. Loving our families. And allowing God to work. Because he will bring the radical things, but if I learn to obey in the little things, he brings the big things. And this is just struck with my last point today. You know, before he goes into that battle, he's ready to obey. You might know in Joshua 5, verses 13 to 15, he meets this commander of the army. You ever wonder what that guy looked like? He was a pre-incarnate of Jesus. We're not told. He meets him. He says, well, Joshua said, well, who are you for? You're looking pretty tough. I hope you're on our team. He says, neither, in some translation. I'm not people. I'm not for this or that. But he reminds him to take off his shoes because you're on holy ground. I love that. I really do because the greatest weapon you have is simply just to worship the Lord in your battle. Before the outcome, before his victory of Jericho, this commander of the army, Jesus, says, take off your shoes. 
you're on holy ground. Clearly, Joshua bows down and worships this being. You're in a battle. You're growing in your faith. You're simply obeying. But finally, can I say, would you just worship God more than anything else? Would you give him praise not knowing what's going to happen? Would you bow before him today? Would you enter into his presence with thanksgiving? Would you know that he is holy and that he is great and your number one role is simply to worship him more than anything else, more than some great task you think you should do? Your greatest task is just simply to sit in his presence, to enjoy him, to worship him, to give him thanks, to know you are perfect God, you are holy, you are gracious. And before I go to fight, I have to bow in your presence and give you all praise this morning. Reading a book of spiritual warfare somewhere in central South America. The missionary was going there, there, praying, 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 praying with many people, no success. Praying, 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 no success. They had a word from the Lord, a prophecy to them. Would you just worship and praise the Lord? So instead of praying for victory and seeing people saved, they spent their prayer time just worshiping and saying, God, you are greater. God, we worship you. Day after day, month after month. And then the walls started to crumble. And people started to get saved. It's almost like that story in the Old Testament of King Jehoshaphat where they have to fight the enemy of so many people. And God says, send out the choir first. What are you, nuts? Send the choir out praising and rejoicing and giving me glory and thanking me for who I am and what I've done and what I will do. Is that your life today? Or you're so... Have those thought monkeys. What, 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 what? And you're figuring out your own problems and how to solve them. And instead of that, we should just say, God, you are bigger. God, I worship you. God, you are holy. God, you are good. My life is to bow in your presence and you will bring the victory. Why do you think they shouted at the end? Something to do? Release nervous energy? Might have gotten into psychology. No, that's not. They were praising God. God has won this. Ah! Whatever they said, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes we worship. Hey, settle down. Don't be so loud. I wonder if they said that one of the seventh time. Hey, take it easy. There's people here. They might think you're but a little offensive. You're yelling. <laughs> no. No. They obeyed and they screamed and they yelled. And they praise God. And then what happened? I don't know how, in the ground, in pieces, but they might have crawled through or whatever, get to the enemy. But God did a miracle. And as we worship and praise him, and sometimes that is the simple obedience of simple faith is simply to shout and praise him. God, you are good no matter what's going on. I will worship you because... You are God. This Joshua, this crazy, massive, strong fighter, who would we want leading our armies, is on his knees, bowing before the commander, worshiping him. That allowed him to remember, oh, 
I have a lot to praise God for. Oh, God, you're good. And oh, life is tough, because it is tough, and I'm not saying it's not tough. And things are difficult. But I'm going to worship, and I'm going to send out the choir in my heart first to praise you. That will bring victory in your battle against evil. Satan, you can't have my mind. My mind is the Lord's. And I'm going to praise him. I'm going to believe him. And I'm simply going to obey him. Amen? So we have this great opportunity to worship the Lord in communion and bow at his feet and give him all praise this morning. So thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your love. Yeah, we shout you are good, God. And this morning we are going to celebrate what you've done. And we're going to praise you. And we're going to worship you for what you've done on the cross. And how you rose from the dead. And how that you're victorious. I don't know. I was a little worried this week that none of this would minister to you, that it would just all be repetition. But I pray, Holy Spirit, even in this moment, that you would speak to each individual whatever you want about your truth. Could you rein your mind in a little bit? And ask God to speak to you. Does a much better job than I ever could. Maybe you need to worship this morning. Maybe you need to simply obey in some point. Maybe your faith needs to grow. Maybe you need to remember what God's done. Holy Spirit, just in this moment of quietness as the piano plays, would you speak to our hearts? I tell you, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're a Joshua because Christ lives in you. You're forgiven. As you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you are free. You're enough. And as the enemy comes, would you proclaim the name of Christ? Would you believe who you are in him? The elements are in the back, the body, the blood, the bread, the wine, our representation, so we would remember what Jesus has done. Examine your heart. If there's any wicked way, give it to the Lord and know you're forgiven. Know He loves you. The ultimate act of love is pictured in those emblems. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be brothers and sisters in the back prayer team we'd love to pray for you if you need physical healing victory in that or emotional or you need to confess sin to get something off your your back and realize that you are forgiven we'd love to pray with you we're a family here
So let's just enjoy Jesus. As we sing, as the Lord leads you, you can get the emblem, bring them back. Just praise Him, worship Him. Kind of your hearts, take off your shoes of your heart, the dirtiness of the weak, and understand you're forgiven. And that truly you are on holy ground because God is holy and God lives in you. Let's celebrate this morning.